Testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, part four of Breaking Silence, examining five women's claims against Tim Ballard. This is the fourth and final episode in this series in which we are reviewing the statements of five women who filed the initial lawsuit. I believe it was on October 9th, 2023. Today's date is October 27th. 2023. So still just earlier this month that this lawsuit was filed against Tim Ballard, five women have sued him and they are represented by attorneys who filed the lawsuit and also included as attachments or exhibits to the lawsuit statements from each of the five women. Now, I'm not going in order on these. The exhibit A is WW. I had to skip around a little bit because in the original filing, they did not have the statement from the second woman. Instead, they replicated Exhibit A from WW twice, and they left out entirely a statement from DS. But thanks to my audience, a copy of this statement was located, and it was sent to me, and that is going to allow me to review this statement, this final statement today. The reason that there are four parts to this and five women's statements is because in an earlier episode, I reviewed two statements and in one episode. So let me go ahead and put this up on the screen. Here's the statement, Exhibit B by DS. DS's statement regarding Operation Underground Railroad. She starts with a summary. Many, many, many times he touched me in sexual ways, though not always close to private parts, but definitely trying to create a sexual connection by the words he spoke and the ways he touched. We are left to presume from this that she's talking about Tim Ballard. Definitely getting a feel. Oh my gosh. Getting a feel. Is this going to be a voice to text one as well? Because once again, the Utah accent says E as I and feel would be voice to texted as Phil. And that's what we see here. Okay. Definitely getting a fill or feel and trying to turn me on as well. He would often ask about my sexual life and what turns me on and what I'm willing to do with my boyfriend, etc. He also expressed some jealousy about guys I dated and felt rejected when I wasn't responding to his touch as he expected. Most of these touches were unnecessary other than to create chemistry because we weren't with traffickers or in settings trying to fool anyone. It was often while we were alone in a private place. He, once again, presumably Tim Ballard, he frequently asked with bewilderment why I was single. On the first mission, he said that if anything happened to Catherine, he would marry me. We've heard this line before. On another occasion, almost a year later, he said if he was single, he would marry me. So apparently she was there for a period of time, at least a year. One of the donors with us on a trip mentioned that he had said this about Alana, spelling the Ukrainian operator, as well, and clearly he said it to blank, name redacted, for privacy. There was no care or training of operators during the missions, not before nor after. I would arrive home useless for my kids and family and work until I could process what had just happened. As well, I broke my foot on a training in Budapest and was not able to go on ops for a while after that. So I lost that revenue stream as well as the ability to run my home and business. Being unable to walk was financially devastating. 
Other times of neglect include when I was left at a large home in Mexico, alone with one woman, one other woman, all night, forgotten by anyone else on the team. She left the next day, and they had still forgotten about me. I was alone, and they were going to the airport without me, but fortunately stopped back at the house to grab something and were completely surprised I was still there. Sounds like the opening of Home Alone. No, really, they need to keep track of their operatives, and apparently they had totally forgotten about her. On the ops, if this allegation is true. Once again, these are simply allegations that I'm reading. They're from statements attached to the lawsuit. I'm not vouching for their correctness. I'm simply reviewing them with you because I think they're important. I think it's important to hear these words from the witnesses themselves. On the ops, I was an afterthought. I wasn't often asked for my experiences or perspective on what had happened. It became increasingly clear that this was not about putting together strategies to rescue. Our forensics team wasn't passing evidence they found, but we were doing all the fishing on the ground. Tim spent very little time explaining the missions and the targets and the victims, and an excess amount of time discussing sexual things. He encouraged me to buy very expensive and provocative clothing to play the part. He became increasingly sexually perverse. At least twice I was afraid when he was on top of me and dry humping on a bed. The first time, he then went into the bathroom and masturbated. The second occasion, I was scared and unable to tell him as he became more aggressive. He tapped his finger firmly behind my vagina to bring out sexual feelings. He wanted me to go do tantric massages and other more intense practices than we had done previously. All this sounds familiar. It's of a piece, isn't it? He wanted me to go do tantric massages. I think I just read that. He began justifying oral, by which I expect she means sex, nudity, and bed sharing. And ultimately, when I refused to do something I felt was criminal, he was demeaning and punishing. I wonder what that is. Hopefully, she'll get to it after she's done with the summary. This statement is about 10 pages long. I told Coop about it, and he was definitely very concerned, but no repercussions. That would be Matthew Cooper, whose name we've encountered, and I, I think in just about every other statement as well. I now see so many contradictions between how he protected himself with little concern for me while creating in me a determination to risk everything to protect him and us. Interesting that it took him a while to detox from Brian Black mode. That B on Black should be capitalized because that's his undercover code name, remember? Interesting that it took him a while to detox from Brian Black mode but never had the concern that we might need to as well before hitting home and getting back to real life. He's in danger, but we are not. He needs to have Hollywood-level help to become disguised, but we don't. His family needs help and protection while he's away, but ours don't. He doesn't need to eat, so why would we? He doesn't need to sleep, so why would we? I recently learned to beware of people who are talking about others. I recently learned to beware of people who are talking about others. They are talking about you too. I have a very good reputation with those who know me personally, and he left in his trail a steady distrust of me among those who otherwise trust me fully. 
I think I understand the sense of what she's saying there at the beginning of that paragraph, that if there's somebody that you know who's going to talk to you about other people, then it's quite likely that they'll be talking to other people about you as well. He greatly facilitated my mindset that compelled me to consider doing what I did. He told me that after we met last year, he remembered me and would have known me if he had seen me at the mall or in any crowd. He meets hundreds of thousands of people, but he would have known me. There was something different. We connected in a way that was so rare for him. Here, I think she's attributing these statements and ideas to Tim Ballard. Even through high school, he never felt connected to anyone and started to wonder what was wrong with him. Please help me. Please help me. I need help. Catherine was one of the only women he had ever really connected with. It was such an anomaly that he could feel connected to her, and so he knew he was supposed to marry her. Likewise, he felt so connected to me, as if we had known each other forever and before, like we had a previous relationship or were soul brother slash sister. Yeah, we've heard that kind of thing before as well. I think that if these allegations are correct, Tim Ballard has a definite modus operandi when it comes to dealing with female operatives that he wants to get close to. The statement goes on, Operations DS participated on. Oh, so she was on a number of operations. Look at all these. In 2021, um, there are five operations. Two, Maya. Three, Cancun is included. And Cozumel. In 2022, another five missions in Cancun, Media Luna, Budapest training in May, Florida training, and the Maria Chi re-engagement in October. And in 2023, this year, in February, the founders, Maria Chi, and I'm sorry, I don't know exactly what that is, but apparently these are operations that DS participated in. So she certainly was there on operations a total of, it looks like, 11 times. So she certainly has a basis of knowledge from which to speak. I was initially offered $250 a day, a super low operator rate compared with my other services, which made it a financial strain to go out for days and weeks at a time. $250 a day. Wow. And this guy's rolling in the money. Millions and millions of dollars. There were many hidden costs of both leaving and being involved which were not well compensated, especially taking into consideration the time required to prepare before an op, remember all the trainings, and recoup after the all day and night schedule away from family and other life essentials and activities and opportunities, let alone the risks of this particular endeavor, which is not offset on a contract basis like it might be with a long-term or salaried and benefited employee. I finally settled for $500 a day, so apparently she was negotiating, good for her, which was still less than my professional day rate, which doesn't demand all night work, time away, and personal risk, let alone require me to go be on call, excuse me, for the unpredictable travel schedules and op follow through missions. I felt incredibly undervalued with low compensation, long travel times, expectations for random availability, never knowing when we would eat or sleep. We rarely did either. And then zero contact after operations by anyone other than Tim. And that contact was on his terms only. Now we have a summary of events. This goes back to March of 2021. 
I think she's going to summarize the different missions that she was on. So March of 2021, in my studio, Tim flirts, tells me he's not a sex addict. DJ tells Tim to watch it, Romeo. I don't know if the DJ or the D is Dimitri, his bodyguard. Century Bank office, hair dye and cut and tattoos. Conversations around being waxed, doing whatever is required without hesitancy. Now, how open I am to the work and requirements. Mexico City, sneaking out to the guest house to apply tattoos. So this is another woman who applies tattoos on Tim's body. This seems to be part of his modus operandi as well, having women apply the tattoos to his body, as well as give him haircuts. Tim begins the touching, feels increasingly connected, and asks Janet, Janet Rusin, the psychic, remember? feels increasingly connected and asks Janet about our relationship in past lives. Visions of glory, once again, coming into play. Asks if I'm embarrassed to leave the door open while I'm applying my bronzer in the bathroom. Tim acts caught when DJ comes down the stairs and we're lying on the couch. Cancun time in the ocean. Discomfort with closeness and pushing back. Coop, Matthew Cooper, sees us on the beach holding hands, and Tim worries about being caught. Says, I can't cheat on Catherine. And I reassure him that will never happen with me. He calls me into his room while he was reading scriptures. He's a very spiritual man, this Tim Ballard. And comments about how connected he feels, how he wishes we could stay close at night. How, if anything happened to Catherine, he would marry me. Tim wants to stay in my room on a separate bed. I refuse. He later tells me how he felt rejected. Oh, don't let Timmy feel rejected. DJ takes me to lunch and berates me for my role. I had no idea this wasn't standard procedure and I'm shocked. So once again, it sounds like DJ, if that is Dimitri, but at any rate, this person is identified as DJ, who's there with them, and berating her. Berating her. I don't know if he ever berated Tim. But berating her for what she's doing in her role. And she says, I had no idea this wasn't standard procedure and am shocked. On flights, Tim Ballard recounts stories of deep betrayal. I am putting Tim Ballard in there. It's not written in the statement. I think it's obvious that's what she's talking about, and it makes it a little bit more clear for me. Tim Ballard recounts stories of deep betrayal, including a previous operator who insisted on kissing him, and he was furious, so he can't work with her anymore. Yeah, we've heard this before. From those he had worked closely with, how depression and suicidal ideation had overtaken him, how he has a hard time being home, asks me if I would please pray because he trusts my connection with the Lord. I pray aloud as we put our heads together. Comes to my house and can't resist touching me, is saddened when I scoot away from him on the couch. Now we go to April of 2021. The second op, this time I'm brought on as primary team. Tim makes sure we have a house with a hot tub, wouldn't want to have a house without a hot tub on an op. Touches inappropriately. 
specifically intent on trying to turn me on, asking me if I had come. Went to a strip club in the evening, spent an hour in a private room with a topless woman who tried to seduce us. He faked oral on me. I had a physical traumatic response when we left the club. Tim still wants to continue hunting. So we entered a brothel where they introduced us to a lineup of prostitutes. He was deciding who we should take back into a room. I was not up for it. Tim asks me constantly how I separate the feelings and can turn it off when we're not on the town or specifically playing, excuse me, or specifically playing the role of a sexually heightened couple. May of 2021, mission in Cancun, Cozumel, planning business venture with, with Maria Chi. So Maria Chi is a person, a business venture. I wonder what that business venture was about. Redemption Island in BVI. Tim kisses me on the forehead as an intentional goodbye to Brian and Lisa. Brian, I'm guessing, is of course Tim's alter ego, Brian Black. And I'm thinking that Lisa might just be her alter ego, DS's alter ego. That would make sense of this. Tim kisses me on the forehead as an intentional goodbye to Brian and Lisa, quote unquote, then largely ignores me for the week until Catherine leaves and we're about to start our fishing mission. He apologizes for his treatment and hopes we can reconnect before going on to the other islands to search for traffickers. July 2021, July 5th. This is pretty detailed. I'm expecting she's keeping notes by this point. Woke at 5.45 to ready S-E-G and Tim. Hair dyed blue, tats, piercings. And left at 8 in premier black car service for airport, SLC to Cancun. Happy shuttle to breathless. They wouldn't let us in due to improper ID. Barely missed Rigo's boss. So he paid Rigo 12000 U.S. cash to meet us at another place with his boss, then raced to Coco Bongo to meet Rigo. Hotels were mostly full. We found and stayed in a Hyatt. Dinner at Mexican Buffet, conversations with Sachs slash Sean. And I don't know, that may be an undercover name and a real name. More with Mark Mabry. July 6th, Hyatt Hotel water turned off at midnight to almost 7 a.m. I called for compensation and let check out. Let check out. Left check out? Oh, I went to eat at Mercado Buffet. Then Omar brought us to a safe house. Completed copy editing, had debriefing. July 7th, woke at 10.30. Woohoo! Visit with Sean slash Sachs. Swim briefly, beach run, copy editing, Zoom with Brian slash Tom, Heather Moss itinerary walkthrough. Tim invites me to weekend training in Nashville. OUR filmed interview out in Cancun, Queens Club. Sean trailed by white shirt. Paid Nicole for life coaching, paid medical billing. July 8th debriefing, Tim tells team he's backing away from ops. We head to private airport. Chris Frederick greets us and tells us about his plane. Then we all fly to Miami for customs and fuel. Then on to Sarasota. And that's probably Sarasota Springs. 
July 9th, fly from SRQ to ATL, Atlanta to SLC, NAP, Heather's Concert. Okay, before I get to October 2021 OUR training, <clears throat> I appreciate all the details that DS is putting in this summary. Uh, it's very helpful to have all these details. I had wanted more details in some of the other statements that we read. On the other hand, there's so little connective tissue between these details that it's somewhat hard to understand, at least for me to understand, all of what she's trying to communicate by reading it. So maybe a few more words would have been helpful. Going on, October 2021 OUR training, October 14th packing, cleaning OUR training, team meetup, run Liberty Park, body drag. October 15th, first aid, O-S-I-N-T, H-U-M-I-N-T, dinner, clubs. Tim is asking about my boyfriend, how far I've gone with him, and if now I'm going to be hesitant to be a sexual with Tim. October 16, CrossFit. Tim asks me, once again, I'm putting Tim in here. Tim asks me to be witness to what happened in a hotel room with the trainee who tried to seduce him and get him to finger fuck her. Right. Okay. Well, we can read into that pretty easily, can't we? That uh, some female operative is alleging that Tim did this to her. Tim wants to turn it back on the female operative and is now asking this woman, DS, to be a witness to what happened in the hotel room. I wish she put in the salient detail of whether she was actually in the hotel room when it happened. I'm betting not. And that Tim is actually wanting her to make up a story that she was there and said that this is the way it happened, not the way the other female operative complaining about it said it happened. That's my interpretation. October 17th, aftercare training. Actors meeting, meet with students in shifts. Talks with his son Blaine present. Tim talks about the potential operator who wanted him to finger fuck her in the hotel room embarrassingly crude with trainees in mock situation drove home 10 p.m alex texted about puppy grieved until we hours um i'm guessing maybe that's her boyfriend and something bad happened to the puppy that made her sad until the early hours of the morning october 26th dr sundwall start prozac i have no idea who's starting prozac from this but Dr. Sunball seems to have been involved, perhaps as the prescriber. Is it she or is it Tim? I don't know from this. February log, 2022. February 12th, Tim texted me about urgent meeting. February 16th, Tim arrived 7.30 a.m. to dye hair and place tats. Black car, Uber, out at 8.15. Fly to FLL, then drive to Fisher Island Yacht Dinner with Lexi Diane Romero. Airbnb closed, so stayed with Lexi in her guest bedroom. February 17th, slept until noon. Lunch on beautiful new Italian marble ta table. Ready for Lisa. Drive to Miami office. Ready for Lisa. If that is her undercover name, ready for Lisa. Ready to become Lisa. I'm not sure. <laughs> Drive to Miami office, team meet with donors, etc. <clears throat> So many questions I have about this because it's not explained. 
I understand that these are just jotting downs or jottings down of things that happened, like in a journal of some sort, but I'm not sure it's effective as a statement by a witness. March log 2022, Fisher Island insists, once again, we have to presuppose that's Tim. Tim insists I meet him at a hot tub. Tells me all about the tantric massage with Jen, which he said she was excited to take back to her marriage. He learned some techniques in tantric and wanted to show me. He said, I'm going to do something. I promise I won't uh, touch you. Trust me. Then places his finger between my legs, just behind my vagina, and taps firmly six times to bring out the sexual chakra or something. I thought he just said, I promise I won't touch you. Trust me. March 12th, Saturday, oatmeal pancakes, swim in pool, debrief with Brian at safe house. Once again, Brian, is she saying Brian Black? Is this Tim? Leave for blue door. Meet Jay. Quick intros. Settle upstairs in large room. Four question mark. Drinks by pool. With a live performing saxophonist where Jay introduced me to his three Latino girls and said the Ukrainian and Russian world, excuse me, and said the Ukrainian and Russian would come that evening. Visited with Jay briefly about property next door that he heard I was interested in. He owns a unit in the apartment adjacent to the lot. I let him know I'm definitely interested, but won't get, get into details about it until I have a firsthand experience here. I expressed things like, so far, I love the vibe, privacy, and setup. He told me he has the best chef and staff, at which point we discussed the beautiful dinner he had in store and the fact that this is where my freak flag flies. I'm vegetarian. Okay, I would like more information about salient, relevant facts and less information about the non-relevant and non-essential information. But this is the statement. He told me he has the best chef staff, at which point we discussed the beautiful dinner he had in store and the fact that this is where my freak flag flies. I'm vegetarian. He assured me it was no problem. They would take good care of me, but needed to let the chef know right away. Dinner inside with girls, three Latino, Alfredo dish, pink sauce, prepped especially for me. Jay mentioned the other girls would be returning soon. He has just helped arrange for Carolina's mother to escape Ukraine on a night train to Poland. Jay introduced me to the two new arrivals. Let me introduce you to Lisa. Okay, so Lisa is not DS, at least not here. It's another female. Let me introduce you to Lisa. She is awesome, absolutely awesome. I thanked him with a smile and teased about not knowing whose hearsay he's going on. But he said, oh, you are, believe me, I know. Okay, wait a second here. Once again, I'm having to do a lot of interpretive dancing with regard to this statement. She is Lisa. Jay is introducing DS to these other two girls, Ukrainian and Russian, I believe. And he's saying to them, to the two new arrivals, let me introduce you to Lisa, referring to DS. She is awesome, absolutely awesome. I thanked him with a smile and tease about not knowing who's here, say he's going on. So I don't know who you're hearing about how wonderful I am. It's she, undercover. But he said, oh, you are, believe me, I know. He later told someone I was as authentic as they come. He knows my type well. 
Lisa is a baller bitch, quote unquote. I visited for a while with the girls, Carolina, Ukrainian, Lana, Russian, who clarified that they are good friends. They said the government is at war, but they are not. We talked about how it was has affected them each, that they are in dismay that this is actually happening in their town. Their friends and family send pics of everything that has been destroyed, and yet Russia is lying to the people about it. They've even had Russian friends who believe the propaganda that the Russian army has been entering Ukraine to give them aid, call them out as liars for spreading false, as if they're spreading false. I'm not missing a word. I think the statement is. Call them out as liars for spreading false, as if their Russian friends know better than those who live there and are documenting it. Once again, as interesting as this is about Russia and Ukrainian and the relationships between these two women, I'm not sure it's really pertinent to the lawsuit. Carolina's mother almost didn't make it as she went back into her home, refusing to leave the house without her dog. We discussed many ethereal ideas, including that of taking flight in our lives and my many tattoos with wings. Lana showed me her black tat with wings as well. What a coincidence. More drinks, a surprise show with three girls whom Jay said come every two weeks to perform with fully revised costumes, choreography, and music. Then a summon to Brian to go to bed alone with me. What? Okay, once again, guessing this is Brian Black, but I'm not sure. Then a summon to Brian to go to bed alone with me in panties atop stairs with drinks. Nate and some girls saw offered a warning that we would miss the party. Cassie entertained at the bar. March 13th, Sunday, beach run, workout, coffee, meet Andrew and mini sermon, share faith, breakfast and backyard with Brian, Melissa, Brian slash Melissa, dress and leave for Cabernet and safe house, massage places, COVID tests, back to blue for dinner, drinks, Russian, Ukrainian. Massage number one, hair salon front, dead end. Don't have what we're looking for. Started our drive to, to Sosua. One of those twos is obviously not supposed to be there. Started our drive to Sosua. Gabriel said he and Alejandro had stopped at a coffee shop that was definitely not serving coffee, if you know what I mean. Brian had him turn around and drive us back to those cafe slash massage places. They were closed on Sundays, so we stopped at a different place where we could ask the ladies sitting outside about it. They reiterated that everything was closed today. As we walked back toward the car, we hit the cafe where we met Gregory, the secretary to his boss, the girl Daniela, her 15-year-old daughter. I thought yesterday's statement was difficult to understand. The one by HDT, but... This may be surpassing that statement in that regard. Massage number two, clearly trafficked, available in an hour. Client inside understood the conversation, which took place in Spanish, responding in English, someone is already in here. We said we would come back. Massage number three, CD place, stole my glasses. Angry emoji. I can't believe, I'm sorry, I'll just interpose my lawyerly self here. 34 years I've been doing this, and I cannot believe 
that a statement by a witness was appended as an exhibit to a lawsuit in which is included a an unhappy face emoji after stole my glasses. All right. Evening. Returned. Jay said I looked cute and asked about our day. He knew we had gone into Cabernet. I remained vague. We hadn't found clothes for Brian, but did enjoy the streets and getting to see the community. He explained it's a very small, tight community. He asked me to sit for a moment at his desk under the stairs and wanted to talk business. We connected on a few points as I asked about average square footage cost of new build, which he was uncertain about. Jason asked me to sit for a minute and talk about it. He told me the owners of the lot are good friends and have assured him they would, they sell it to someone who would build a single home, not condos or apartments next door in which Jay owns a bottom corner apartment. Is this Jason at the beginning of the sentence, Jay, but misspelled? Because I'm not sure where Jason comes from. It's Jay, then Jason, and then Jay thereafter. Hmm. I'm not going to spend too much time trying to figure out what is meant by this irrelevant information. They would do that to protect him and his business. He also considered purchasing it. I'll delve into details about why he hasn't next time. What next time? Maybe we'll find out. He had already told me too much that will be inadmissible as evidence. He had already told me too much that will be inadmissible as evidence. So it sounds like she's creating this document, at least this part, in anticipation of the trial. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's also a legal conclusion. Okay, strike that line, at least if I'm editing, and about 100 other lines in the statement. Jay told them to hold off the closing which is supposed to happen end of March, 1st of April, because he has a potential buyer. Why are we going through this? They're asking about 900,000, and a home like this will cost about 1 million, seven bedrooms, completely furnished, roughly $2 million project with lot purchase. Well, I'm glad we know that. When he said he was unsure footage price for new build with me, that he has an incredible agent investor who will be glad to take me for a day and show me around. He will talk my ear off. Awesome! Exclamation point but knows the area, movement, and availability better than anyone else. I mentioned I have a real estate attorney checking into some things as well, but might also really appreciate his contact's help. The more perspectives and info, the better, but not necessarily for a statement in a lawsuit. He also tried to convince me to consider investing in someone, alluding to himself, who already has it figured out rather than trying to start fresh. He knows the sex industry there, has the clientele, has the police in his pocket, and is aware of the places that will not allow the ladies in. The guards are specifically paid not to, and there is no way to get them to allow it. Now I'm wondering if this is some guy who's like a kingpin in the sex trafficking industry there, and she's talking to him about this house stuff and the real estate and the valuations in order to try and gain his confidence. If that is so, it would have been nice to know that up front or have it spelled out at some point, any place, in this statement. The musician approached us from the backyard and Jay gave me a quick summation of his accolades. We were introduced and I took that opportunity, ah, the saxophonist, to excuse myself to change for dinner. <clears throat> Jay complimented me on my looks when I came down and walked to the bar. My dinner was an eggplant goulash. Mm. Yeah, well, she's a vegetarian. 
Eggplant goulash served outside by the pool. He sat me at the head so I could see the musician, who was Justin James, two beautiful kids, one boy around seven, one girl maybe five, both half Dominican. Justin recently built a music studio in the area, and I wonder if that's Jay, but I don't really care. Justin recently built a music studio in the area. Or no, that's the maybe that's the saxophonist. I have no idea. <laughs> in which he records and hosts many great celebrities, probably. He came from L.A. having toured for years with his guitar and songs, performing for us both covers and originals. I asked about which platforms I could find his music on, and he replied, Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere. Dinner conversation points included Jay explaining how he was Jewish, not Orthodox, had made his wealth, not been appreciated. So this is my fuck you life is the quote that she's attributing to the Jewish but not Orthodox Jay. He created a safe place where men and women could live out their fantasies, the plane, the plane, and then go home to their real lives. It allows them to avoid the repression of day-to-day -day routines and life, keeps everyone healthier and happier. He shows me pics of his two darling girls with whom he had a wonderful relationship until his ex-wife poisoned it. Probably that whole fantasy thing. That's why she poisoned it by telling them what he did for a living. So she poisons the dad's relationship with his two kids by telling them the truth. He knew she had told them because they called him directly to ask if it was true. They couldn't accept it, so cut ties with him. It is what it is. Well, obviously he values this more than having a relationship with his two kids. Okay. I am getting the sense that this is some guy who's really up there as far as being very wealthy, very connected, doing all this fantasy stuff for people, and that she's trying to work him for information. I shouldn't have to be guessing. Caroline said her mother and grandmother are so proud of her for making something of herself and providing so well for them. She felt obligated to it since they had no other means. She has a very good life and couldn't possibly make this much elsewhere. Her family has no idea what work she does. Why? Because they couldn't accept it. We talked about how amazing it is that they get to live on the beach, eating like this every day. Lana agreed that it is a very good life. Unimaginably good. And I think these are the two women from Ukraine and Russia, Caroline and Lana. So maybe it might have been Carolina earlier. Even the chef is amazing. Every day he makes her a delicious salad and chicken which is all she'll eat so she doesn't get fat. She avoids all desserts. For dessert, we were served Jay's banana pudding with crumble caramel that he matched a recipe from New York's Magnolia Bakery. Two question marks. Thursday is the grand opening of his dessert cafe that will only serve this pudding. A dessert cafe that only serves one kind of pudding. Nate, a bartender, I expect people who are going there aren't going there for the dessert anyway. Nate, a bartender, will be going to work there permanently. I believe he said it's near his El Patron taco stand. Both women, Russian and Ukrainian, join us in the bedroom. Tim, finally, Tim, okay, Tim. Once again, I'm assuming this is Tim Ballard. Tim has been heavily drinking, asks me to do new boundary break of removing my top. Asks me to take charge of the time in there because I'm the boss and asks me to push his head down into me so they believe we're going to have oral sex. He gets completely naked. He's sleeping drunk on the floor until he climbs into bed. 
Prior to this evening, we had insisted on separate beds. This night and the night before was a horribly disgusting situation as I primarily had to fend for Tim and even take the touching and sucking from the other women. I left incredibly vomitous and still want to throw up thinking about it. July 31st through August 4th, training in quotation marks. July 31st, meet in SL at CD Motel 6 since our flight to JFK. And I'm wondering if that's Salt Lake. Anyway, the SL at CD Motel 6 since our flight to JFK where he planned to surprise me. He totally lied about things. With tantric massage before flying to Tampa, wanted to discuss this new technique we could try where he places his dick underneath me and it totally looks like we're having sex, but we're not. So they're all completely fooled. Tim becomes desperate to get us into a sexy massage, offering cash up to $500 for the lady to find us a room so we can experience Nuru massage, N-U-R-U. And no, I've never heard of that either. I know a lot of people were making fun of me in the comments for not knowing what a cock blocker was. And you can go ahead and make fun of me for not knowing what this is. Nuru massage, N-U-R-U. He tries to get me to get the massage therapist to take off her clothes. I refuse. That seemed criminal to me to ask. Right here in Salt Lake City to an innocent person. When I talked with him about it after, he was quite upset about being called out. Said she wasn't innocent. She was willing to give a hand job. He spoke disparagingly about me when Coop picked us up, saying I had gone soft. Ignored me most of the remainder of the trip. Left me behind at the house rather than taking me to visit Tony Robbins and took Alina alone to the clubs in the evening. Thank heavens I was spared from this. Yeah, it's a mixed blessing. 8-1, August 1st. Early morning check-in to Aloft Hotel, Midtown, dinner with Will Witt, W-H-I-T, at Sacred Pepper, August 2nd. Early flight to Miami, taxi to Airbnb at 225 North Street, West Palm Beach. 225 North, says S-T, West Palm Beach. Usually the ST is after. Well, anyway. Spotlight on couples ruse. Okay, this may be something of interest. I was fine with the tactic and the risks associated only because I was brainwashed that they are needed. How do you know what's needed unless you're able to have a conversation about it? I believed Tim had been doing this for so many years, and I believed other operators had too, that this was standard procedure and that it was the essential way to protect everyone involved. He lied to me about other women, ignored me about op, ignored me between ops, demeaned me when I wouldn't go along with his sexual plans. I'm even okay being discarded as long as I can walk away with my head high and not need to be in those circumstances again. I'm not okay being lied about and disparaged when I have risked so much and given so much without an ask for appreciation, acknowledgement, money, or concern. And I'm not okay with staying silent when someone else is being lied about and discouraged publicly. What I didn't know until now was that he was telling other women the same things about me that he told me about them. Big surprise. He told several other women and some of his staff that I had fallen for him, tried to kiss him, and seduced him in bed. It is always the woman's fault, isn't it? They, it's, it's remarkable, the psychology that's being alleged in these statements about Tim Ballard is that 
he does everything he can and uses every trick in the book and some that he seems to have made up himself in order to manipulate women into sexual situations. And then he tells everybody else that they have fallen for him. They have done things sexually or kissing with him and he has to reject them to get a new operative. The statement goes on. I didn't sign up for this. I'm at risk publicly compromised and known on ops. I'm alone. My children need a mom. I'm exhausted and can't be present for my family. I burn the candle at both ends trying to provide. Now my small business is suffering as OUR has hindered my progress since May of 2022. Doesn't say how. No one really knows my story because I don't have just one story. I have a hundred. Yeah, that's a line that will come back to Honda in cross-examination. No one really knows my story because I don't have just one story. I have a hundred. I'm the most at risk and feel the least protected and the least seen. September 7th, 2023. To whom it may concern? What a strange way to title this. For several years, I have been aware of a relationship between Elder Ballard and Tim Ballard. Well, strange titled or not, at least we're getting to something interesting. For several years, I have been aware of a relationship between Elder Ballard and Tim Ballard. Initially, I believe they were related, not because of name only, but also Tim's social media posts with pics showing his family spending time with Elder Ballard. When I asked, Tim did clarify that they are not direct family, but are very close friends. Tim told me about some of the blessings he had received from Elder Ballard and said they met on a regular basis to discuss OUR proceedings. When I was first asked to go on undercover operations, Tim described the role I would play and shared how he received revelation for the couple's ruse. We've heard this before. The couple's ruse was too brilliant an idea for Tim to come up with. It had to come from God, which was specifically sanctioned by Elder Ballard as a brilliant way to keep both operators safe. Yeah, I think that Elder Ballard should end up being deposed in the process of this case. Under the right circuit, if it doesn't settle before then, under the right circumstances, I thought going undercover as relationship partners is a fantastic plan to protect both of us from being expected to participate in heinous acts with captive women and children. Yeah, it gives that impression until you think about it for three seconds, and then you realize it would never work. So it made sense that it would have come from an apostle of the Lord. Oh my gosh, it's such a fantastic plan to pretend to have sex and do all the stuff that Tim Ballard does with women operatives. It makes sense. It's a fantastic plan. It makes sense it would come from an apostle of the Lord. I only began to question Tim's claims when he needed constant reassurance that we weren't doing anything wrong. By the way, I'm going to interject here that it is quite possible that the church issued its statement about Tim Ballard, excoriating him and, and denouncing him. And the main thing that it said was that he was using Elder Ballard's name without authorization for his own interests. I wonder if these statements or statements similar to them were submitted or obtained by the church. They reviewed them. They knew this was coming up, and that is what caused them to insert that line in the church's statement when they publicly denounced Tim Ballard, is 
these claims that Tim uses Elder Ballard's name to say Elder Ballard has sanctioned the couple's ruse. I only began to question Tim's claims when he needed constant reassurance that we weren't doing anything wrong. He needed constant reassurance that we weren't doing anything wrong. He is a clever dog if these allegations are correct. By the way, he probably has training in PSYOPs from his time at Homeland Security. If not, he's a natural. At the time, he was still concerned about compromising the temple covenants made with his wife. I found it extremely odd that he worries so frequently about whether we were acting whether we were acting appropriately and specifically asked me to confirm that we were in the right to be playing our roles. You convince me that we're doing right by doing this couple's ruse, so at the same time, you can convince yourself. I added that. He worried aloud that he could not cheat on Catherine. His concern caused me as a natural comforter to engage regularly in this pattern of conversation like this. You received the idea of going in as a couple by revelation and immediately knew it as the answer you had been seeking, right? It was confirmed by Elder Ballard, right? And by going undercover as partners, we're protecting each other's chastity. Yeah, she's Mormon. As well as preventing those we engage with from having to perform sexual acts, right? Your wife was just as enthusiastic about this ingenious way to protect you, right? We were carefully selected to save lives in a very unique way that God has trusted us to do, right? So it's a righteous cause and calling that came, so it's a righteous cause and calling that came directly from heaven, right? Then we have no reason to be concerned. We can remain in the peace and faith that we have been and will be guided by the Lord. So what she's doing is parroting back to him all the things that Tim Ballard has told her to get her to engage in this and agree that it's okay in order to convince him that it's okay. At least I think that's the ruse. She's convincing herself that it's okay by repeating all the stuff back to him and making the argument for him instead of him making it to her. My eyes are now open to the real reason for Tim's concern. He was behaving with impure intent. You think? He therefore used me to comfort him and regularly reaffirm the righteousness of our roles and behavior. Doing so kept me lodged in a belief that God condoned anything we needed to do to gain the trust of human traffickers and other dangerous or evil people while keeping ourselves safe physically and spiritually. While I see how all that could be true at times and scripturally or spiritually justified, I don't believe it is in Tim's case. Wow. So this lady DS is still believing that all of this could be true at times that the couple's ruse could be used for rescuing children and it's okay. But she just doesn't believe it is in Tim's case. During the past couple of years, I have witnessed firsthand his degeneration into moral decay, mental illness and harm to himself and countless others. And by the way, to give her the benefit of the doubt, maybe what she means by that is she thinks the couple's ruse could be used effectively if it weren't um, sexualized the way that Tim does it. Maybe that's what she means. DS's statement to the board of OUR, June 6, 2023. So DS, this is this witness. This is this statement. She's referring to her own statement to the board, June 6, 2023. This is a month before 
Sound of Freedom, the movie, comes out on July 4th, 2023. And there was an investigation that was going on, as we recall. And so maybe this is a complaint. We'll see. We're part of the investigation. We have intentionally and cautiously acted in integrity to protect the organization and Tim's personal reputation as the face of OUR at all costs and plead with you to do the same. We are extremely concerned about Tim's behavior and the repercussions to the organization if it is not addressed quickly and boldly. We are direct witnesses that Tim is mentally unwell and unsafe. This does sound like a complaint or a statement of sorts to the board of OUR. And this is right around the time they let him go and fired him from OUR. Allowing Tim to resign, the statement goes on. Allowing Tim to resign without assuming full accountability cripples the effort and intent of anyone sincere about OUR's mission to protect those who have been harmed and silenced in the hands of predatory, lucrative, dangerous men. At the same time, in the interest of all affected, we request every legal protection to maintain silence to the press and public regarding the specifics of his behavior and names of women abused, especially given the dangerous and covert nature of our work. To maintain the integrity of the organization as a whole, we call upon you to, bullet point, clearly place accountability where it belongs, squarely on Tim's shoulder so he's no longer sheltered by insidious justifications or able to disparage his victims and distinctly separate Tim both formally and informally from all further affiliation and compensation from OUR, which is exactly what it sounds like they did. Many company leaders and employees are already aware of and infuriated by Tim's destructive behavior, which is more extensive than has likely been considered and believe he should be held to the same level of accountability which OUR purports to demand of predators worldwide. He is an ironic contradiction to OUR's mission to protect victims and hold offenders accountable, impacting many who have said they will refuse to work for or donate to the organization if Tim is given an honorable or luxurious send-off, adding insult to injury, rather than a demand for retribution. And here we're on the last couple of paragraphs of DS's statement. Appearing to turn a blind eye to the seriousness of Tim's conduct will ultimately be more damaging to the organization than dedication to quick accountability and proof that the mission and values are upheld regardless of status, influence, or fear tactics. To deserve donor funding, OUR should be stronger than the whims of a single individual, founder, or otherwise. With careful measures and dialogue, OUR can proudly hold true to its mission to fight evil at every level, even purging within from top down and come out with honor. So there's the end of DS's statement. Once again, we have now concluded reading all five of the women's statements that were attached as exhibits in this lawsuit filed October 9th, 2023 against Tim Ballard, OUR, and several other entities related to Tim Ballard or persons related to OUR. We read Exhibit A by WW. We've just concluded reading Exhibit B, and thank you once again to my listeners for getting that to me. By DS, we read Exhibit C by DM, and once again, these are fake initials. They're not just initials, they're fake initials. 
They don't represent real initials for these women. We read exhibit D by MK and we read exhibit E by HDT. So there we are. That concludes this series of examining five women's claims against Tim Ballard, which I have titled Breaking Silence. I think these statements are very, very important. There are some places where um, there's some irrelevant information. There are some places where the syntax could have been better. There are some places where proofreading and editing prior to filing it with a lawsuit in a case of this magnitude. I mean, I wouldn't file things that were this um, disjointed with a misdemeanor much less a high-profile case like this. But setting all of that aside, the facts alleged or the allegations made in these statements are very concerning. They're very troubling. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of interlocking pieces here. And if the physical evidence corroborates what these women are alleging against him, and by that I mean schedules other witnesses present confirming what it is they say because they mention other people being present during a lot of this including blaine tim's son he would obviously need to be uh, deposed as well i would think so having said all of that yeah breaking silence part four examining five women's claims against tim ballard he is in a very very bad situation and if the claims made in these statements are true. He deserves everything that he's getting. Well, that is about all for tonight. Thank you so much for joining me in this series of podcasts where we examine these women's statements. Please hit like, please hit subscribe. Thank you so much for all of you who donate to Radio Free Mormon. Your donations keep Radio Free Mormon broadcasting behind enemy lines. Well, that's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon signing off the air.